0: Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Speak ...to you tonight. How many believe he's going to speak to us tonight? Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand tonight just for who he is. Amen. He's faithful. Amen. It's good to see all these young people in the front. Amen. Front two rows. Amen. Look, look at all these kids over here listening. Amen. You're going to be good, right? All right. Amen. Well, God did a great thing last night. It was a powerful service. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it or you know someone that's struggling with something, get that podcast and copy and paste it and send it to them. Amen. Because as we heard last night, if, if God can change Pastor Marshall... God can change anybody. Amen. He has a tremendous. I even heard some things last night I I had never heard. And I've heard his testimony quite a few times. It blesses me every time. And um, he's he's a tremendous picture of grace. And and his wife, and, and his wife is a tremendous picture of grace for living with him. Amen. Just kidding. <laughs> We're friends, so we can say that. And putting up with him. All women are that. Amen. There's an old saying that's so true. Behind every good man is a better woman amen that woman that stands behind us and stands with us and they are a picture of that been married almost 39 years this year this, this year uh, been in the ministry for 35, 33 years he's been pastoring for 33 years pastor in four churches got a lot of experience nothing he hasn't seen amen and so I, I you know if you know me I admire and honor longevity And this is a perfect picture tonight of longevity and consistency. This isn't someone that's just getting their feet wet. Thank God for that too. Amen. We've got new pastors here that are getting their feet wet. But this is the picture of what you want to be in 30 years if the Lord tarries. That no matter what you go through, no matter what happens, God still is the answer. Jesus is still the force behind us. Amen. So it's good to have our churches with us tonight. Uh, And they'll be back at their churches tomorrow. And uh, I know they're excited to be with us too, just to be home. Amen. That's how I feel every time I go to the home church to preach. I feel happy to be home. So this is their home. Let's give our pastors and their wives that are here from Fort Worth and and Garland and Bowie and uh, Dallas tonight a big hand. Amen. Let them know we love them. We appreciate them. We're thankful for them. Everything they're doing to be out amen preaching the gospel amen how many know we need a new building we need a new building this is proof tonight we need a new building so god's gonna provide that amen god's got a great word i'm super excited to hear it um open your your hearts your bibles your notebooks where's your bibles at let me see your bibles got your bibles lift them up amen we're bringing the bible back to church that sounds crazy doesn't it i don't know why it ever left amen Pastor Marshall is going to bring us a powerful word. Let's let him know we love him tonight. Make him feel welcome as he comes to preach the gospel tonight. Amen.
1: Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God's good, isn't he? Amen. Praise God. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but my wife and I love the weather here. I hear everybody complain about your weather. Come live in Colorado in the winter. I'll switch with you anytime. Amen. Praise God. I love Texas. Texas is awesome. Except Houston. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I lived in Houston once. It's like the screen door to hell. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, it's good to be here. Amen. And I know you guys are going back to your churches. What an exciting thing, man. You guys planted all those churches, huh? Praise God. What an awesome. You guys are invading the, invading Texas. Who knows what could happen in 10 years? Wouldn't that be amazing, man? You guys just continue to spread all across Texas. Amen. You, you, we probably should plant some churches in California. They need it. Amen. Amen. Okay, keep coming here. Let's go there. <laughs> Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty-seven. Matthew nine twenty-seven. Praise God. <clears throat> you know, um, I, I I like Mario and, and Pastor. We were raised in revival. Amen. We 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 um. I thrive on signs, wonders, miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And I I love prophecy, and I like to see people get jacked in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some people need to get jacked in the Holy Ghost just because they need it. They're so stiff. Hallelujah. And I just like to see the power of God poured out in the service. I think that the church has kind of lost as a whole, I'm saying, has lost, I mean, the, the pilot for the church, how many of you guys know is in the book of Acts? If you want to know what the church is supposed to be like, go to the book of Acts. Starting after Acts chapter 2, verse 1, There were one place in one accord. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rushing mighty wind and payow, the Holy Ghost fell. Hallelujah, the fire of God fell. We need that in church. What man does to, to Christianity is he dumbs it down. We don't want to offend people, so we don't want to speak in tongues when people are uh, in church. You know, we'll speak in tongues afterward. We don't want to offend people and pull altar calls. We don't want to offend people with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. We don't want to preach on the blood because it's so offensive. And so what's happened is we got all these nominal religion Christianity out there, and many people come up in those groups, amen. There's a lot of people that came up in churches, and they get into a Pentecostal church like this, and they're freaked out, like, what's going on here? Amen. I never see anything. like. guy told me the other day, he said, first time I came to your church, I looked around, I said, what is going on? Amen. He grew up in church because he doesn't even know what the church is. The church, let me tell you what the church is. The church is a place of miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. I mean, I don't know where what Bible they're reading, but when I read this Bible, every morning when I get up to read my Bible, young people, you should read your Bibles in the morning, man. That's the best time to read the Bible. Don't read the Bible at night because it will put you to sleep. Read it in the morning. Amen. When you first get up, man, every time I read it, all I ever read about is signs, wonders, miracles. Amen. If that's what God does, I want some of that. How many want some of that? In Matthew chapter 9. I want to minister on when impossible meets God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 27, goes like this. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Listen listen to this statement. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And their eyes, and then he says, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. I never knew why he said that. I still don't know. Amen? Why, but as soon as Jesus would say, don't tell nobody, they go tell everybody. Amen? But think about this for a minute. He said, he said, there were two profound statements that he made. Number one, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And number two, according to your faith, let it be unto you. <clears throat> Amen? There's something very powerful about the words that we speak. And, 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 and being in church, I, you being, you, you're around all kinds of different people. And, and, and I'm surprised that sometimes the way that people talk, the way they talk about miracles, signs, and wonders, and, and about Jesus and what God can do. There's so much unbelief in the church, it's unbelievable. Amen? The question Jesus asked the blind man is the same question that he's asking you tonight. Do you believe I can do this? I don't care what your problem is diabetes, mental illness, cancer. To, to God, what is that? Nothing. You know, y'all, many of you, maybe you guys remember a couple years ago, we planted a church in La Junta, Colorado with Pastor Richard Lucero. Y'all remember him? Anybody? He, he he got stomach cancer, <clears throat> refused to quit, Just went there for about a year, uh, and then he went on to be with the Lord. He, he was a trooper. He was a fighter. Uh, his family, though, because of his stand, started coming to our church, and three of his sisters come to our church now, and, uh, and one of those sisters, uh, her name is Tina. She started coming to the church, and and uh, she came to me about probably three or four months ago. And she said, I got cancer, the same cancer her brother had in the stomach. And as we begin to get the reports back of what's going on in her life, that cancer was as large as her entire stomach. It filled her entire stomach. It was full of cancer. She couldn't eat. She was losing weight. She was weak. She couldn't walk. I mean, it it didn't look good. It was like a curse of generations. Same exact cancer. She kept she she came, you know, and and the doctors gave her all these, you know. I like doctors, they're okay. But you know, I don't I, when they when a doctor tells you something, that's not the final word. No offense if you're in the medical field, amen. God has the final word because he's the healer. Amen. Doctors can diagnose what's wrong, but doctors don't heal. God heals. So anyway, she goes and and uh, you know, they put this tube in her chest and they were telling her they're going to start giving her chemo. She only went to two chemo sessions and it really jacked her up. She comes into church and we begin to pray for her. Every service we prayed for her. Every time that she tried to, you know, sometimes people want to explain their problem and when they do it, they do it in unbelief. You know, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm dying. Blah, 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 blah. And I always shut them down. Amen. Because I don't want them to say that. I said, we're believing God. We're standing on God's word. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said he's the healer. We're standing on his word. So we prayed for her. Then one day, this is about three weeks ago, she says, she says I'm hungry. She can't eat. She's not supposed to be able to eat. She goes out and she starts eating. She calls the doctor and says, I don't know what's going on, but I don't have any pain, and I'm hungry. I take her back to the doctor, get an x-ray. She has absolutely no cancer. Amen. I want to talk to you about the words that we speak. Amen. You know, growing up, I know there are many people here, you've heard things like this. You'll never change. You're useless. You'll never amount to anything. You're gonna be like your dad. You're gonna be like your mother. Amen. These kind of statements for it's unfortunate, they shape some people's futures, good or bad. And so, but the gospel, which is the good news, is supposed to rewrite our future. It's supposed to rewrite our destinies. Yeah, all these, these things were all said about us. People said these things. People threw these, these statements at us. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. I read this scripture last night in Jeremiah 29, 11, and this is a promise from God. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Over the years, man, I've seen so many people in church struggle to serve God, struggle in their relationship with God. And many of them they do that because of the way they talk, their confession, the way that the way they see Christianity, the way they view the church, everything is twisted and out of whack and, and 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 it's like they can't see God. They can maybe they can believe God for someone else to get healed, but as far as them, they think they're gonna be that way the rest of their lives. And people walk walk in in depression and, and suicidal thoughts, and they're beat up, man, and they're in church. In church. You know, I want to tell you something, that Jesus' words are life-giving. They're life-giving. They're life-changing. They're powerful. And as believers, guess what? So are your words. You remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that's a lie. Amen. They do hurt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's something about the words that we speak. And I've learned this because I've been on the other side. Amen. The way that I talk. You know, many times, man, we we have this because of the way we grew up or the way we were treated or whatever, the way people looked at us. We have this viewpoint of ourselves. That's not the viewpoint that God wants us to have. And it's not the viewpoint that he has of us. If you're a daughter or a son of God, God Amen. Think about that for just a minute. You're a son and daughter of God. That's pretty, you know, you ever seen two kids argue about their dad, right? My dad's bad. My dad's better than you. My dad can whoop your dad. Amen. My, my dad knows how to do this. No, my dad knows how to do that. Pretty soon he can go fisticuffs. Amen. Well, my dad is the baddest of the baddest of the bad. Amen. Remember, Jesus asked these blind men a question, and he did this with everybody. He said, do you believe that I can do this? And they had to, they had to answer that question. Do you believe? And what they say? Yes, Lord, we believe that you can do it. You know, I was reading some time ago about a woman by the name of Corey Tin Boom. Some of you might know her. She, she, um, during World War II, she was in a concentration camp. And uh, and in that concentration camp, she watched her sister get murdered along with all kinds of other people. She saw the wickedness of man. I mean, she went through hell and back. She watched her sister sister get killed, but she got out of that concentration camp. She her life was turned around. She went out. And she began to give her testimony and preach and talk about the things of God. She went. She went through some things, but she said this one quote, and I never forgot it. She says, "Faith sees the invisible." believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Think about that for a minute. So the question I want to pose tonight, and I'm going to, over and over, I'm going to ask you guys this question. What happens when impossible or when your impossible situation meets God? Jesus said in, in John fourteen twelve, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works shall he do, amen, because I go to the Father. Jesus confounded the religious world with statements like this. He would say things like to, to, to a sick, paralyzed guy, he said, arise, take up your bed and walk. Before he ever got healed, you, it, I, I used to read that, and I would confi- get confused. He told one guy, he said, stretch out your hand before he was healed, amen? Stretch out your hand, and it was healed. Most people, and even some believers, really don't understand the power of the words that you speak. We understand God's words, right? But you're you're creating the image of God, and the way you talk makes a difference. If you're if you're abusive to your wife, let me tell you about to men. You know, uh, back in the day when I first got saved, for several years I was very short with my wife. You know, and I was I was one of those matter of fact people. You know, I'm the man of this house. This way it goes, amen. And uh, you know, God has a way of sometimes. Whooping us, amen. And I was in a service where some evangelist came through. God has a way of checking me, and many times he'll do it publicly. And so this guy calls me out, makes me stand up, and tells me, he says, you're too harsh with your wife. He didn't even know me. Hey, man, You didn't even know me. And now I'm all red faced everywhere. And he says, and he's telling me all these things, you know, and he's sharing all these things with me. And he tells me, she's your greatest gift. She's a compliment to you. No one loves you more than her. And, and that day, man, something changed in me. And I realized that the way that I talk to my wife, listen, it'll, it'll hinder your prayer life. It'll hinder, men, it'll hinder your prayer life. If you treat your wife bad, it'll hinder your prayer life. Also, happy wife, happy life. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't stay safe or married for 39 years, amen, because you're mean to your wife. Hallelujah. You know, I met my wife 41 years ago on a blind date. Ooh, man. She's still fine. Hallelujah. (laughs) On a blind date. I was in the military. I got to tell this story. Is that all right? I, I was, I was, uh. Uh, I was in Korea, I was stationed in Korea, and uh, I was coming back, and I knew some people in Colorado Springs, and I called them, and I said, man, you got to, I I said, I I need an American woman, I need to meet an American woman, give me somebody, give me a date with somebody, sorry fellas, I said, I I want a black woman, give me a black woman, amen, I want to meet some black woman, amen, because I was just, you know, I was from Cali, man, and so they introduced me to my wife, I said, she ain't black, (laughs) But well, as soon as I saw her, I, it was like, right? and we have, we have never separated from her for 41 years. Amen. But let me tell you something the first year of my marriage was hell on earth because I wasn't saved and I was mean. I was mean, amen, the way that I talked to her, the way that I treated her. I never touched her physically like that, but I was mean. I would say things to her, man, and they were cutting. And, you know, you can say things to people, man, and when you say those things, you can't take them back. Once you say something, that thing's out there, it, especially with women. It, it's—they're—you You know, they say women are like elephants. They don't look like elephants, but they got a memory like an elephant, amen. And so you do something, you say something, 10 years later when you get in an argument, she goes back. She re- Wines amen to that thing 10 years Ago and so you got to watch the way You talk to them amen and so You know when the Bible says that The woman is the weaker vessel it doesn't mean She's weaker mentally and she's Not weaker uh, spiritually But God made it in a way that the man Is supposed to love that woman and take care Of that woman and treat her with respect And one time a man told me you should Treat your wife like she's God's Daughter and if you treat Her wrong God's going to whoop you and that's the philosophy that I have, amen. So this is what I do, and this is not even in my sermon. But you know what? When she says, I want to go shopping, you know what I say? Okay. When she tells me she wants to go buy something, you know what I say? Okay. When she says, hey, I'd like to move this couch over here, I say, okay. And then she, five minutes later, she says, I'd like to move it back over here. I say, okay. Amen. <laughs> if you want to stay married, just say, okay, fellas, amen. I don't care. If, if I wasn't married, I probably would live in a garage, I would probably, you know, I don't know, I'd go fishing all the time, go hunting, and my life would be miserable. Amen? But if I want to be married, i got to watch the way that I talk to my wife. And let me flip the script on you young people. The way you talk to your parents is super important. You don't. You if you disrespect your parents, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you disrespect your parents. In fact, in fact, let me take it back. In the Old Testament, it says that when a teenager is rebellious, and thank God we're in the New Testament, okay? When a teenager is rebellious and you can't do anything with them, in the Old Testament, they said bring him out to the city, the edge of the city, get all the elders, and go out there and stone him to death. That's what the Bible said in the Old Testament. I want all the teenagers. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. <laughs> hey, but, you know, there's something about respecting your parents. I didn't learn that until later on in life when my mother was very, very sick. She, you know, I had, I had an up-and-down relationship with my mother. She was, she was she, I believe that she really did have some issues in her mind mentally But it wasn't until I became a Christian and was serving God for a while that I realized that the Bible says to honor your mother and father. And the last several years of her life, man, I honored her. I I didn't care what she said to me. I don't care what she did to me. I don't care how she did it. I honored my mother, amen, up until the day she died. And I prayed with her, and she gave her life to the Lord, and she's waiting for me in heaven. Amen. (laughs) Let me say this. Here's what the Bible says about your words. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Matthew 12 and 37, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Years ago, when I first became a Christian, uh, I was still in and out of the court system, and they had court ordered me to go to a uh, get a mental health evaluation. <laughs> they thought I was crazy. Amen. And so I go get a mental health evaluation. They do all these tests and everything. This was at the old St. Francis Hospital. They had a mental, mental ward there. They told me, they said, you are an alcoholic. And I got saved. I'm not drinking anymore. And I let them say whatever they wanted. But they said, you're an alcoholic. Your brand-new newborn son, when he gets older, he's going to be an alcoholic. And they tried to lay out my future and tell me all these things that are going to happen to me because, you know, they don't see things the way that we do Amen. They court-ordered me to go to 60 AA meetings. For you young people, those are alcoholic anonymous meetings where everybody gets in there and and, and somebody will get up and and they're just insane in those meetings. They'll say things like, uh, this box is my higher power Amen. One guy said that doorknob is my higher power. That's my God, and he helps me so I don't drink. I was in that meeting like tripping. I said, what's going on here? I had to get my Bible study leader to come with me to the next meeting. I said, these people are worshiping doorknobs and and different things. But the problem with AA is they're always recovering. They're always in recovery. Everybody and I hear Christians say it. I'm a recovering addict. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and they never recover. When you're saved and born again and blood bought, you're not recovered. You're delivered. You're delivered. <laughs> I makes a lot of people mad, but I don't care. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is a word, there is a word that, a Greek word called sozo. S O Z O. S O Z O. It's used 54 times in the Gospels. It's part of the atonement, but it has a threefold meaning. The definition of this Greek word, sozo, is to save, deliver, and to heal. Save, deliver, heal, and make whole, right? Luke 17 19, Jesus said, Your faith has made you whole. That's a threefold meaning. When he said, your faith has made you whole, your faith has saved you, delivered you, and healed you. Amen? So in Matthew 9 and 22, Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. Saved, delivered, healed. Okay? Now here's a revelation about, here's a revelation about who Jesus is. In Psalms 107 and 20, the Bible says, he sent his word and healed them and in John 1 1 it says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the wait a minute in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God the Jehovah Witness they mess that whole scripture up amen and uh, but but that's how they get their doctrine they think God Jesus was one of many gods but he is God amen and so when you, when you look at that scripture think about it he not only Not only is he God, he is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the one who makes you whole. Amen. So, my point is this the way that we talk as believers, the way that we think, and how we act upon it will make you or break you as a believer. If you're always negative, if you're always talking, you know, I'm never going to make it. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm never going to get this Bible study off the ground. I'm never going to this. I'm never. Guess what? You're never going to. I'm not telling you to lie. But you got to watch the way that you talk. We're negative because of our past. We're negative because of the way we used to talk or the way that people talked about us. I had to learn this over, the, over, over a long period of time, amen, that I have to watch what I say. Be careful how I talk to people. You know that honey goes a lot further than vinegar. Amen. Mario knows that. Hallelujah. Praise God. You got to, sometimes you just got to be, you got to, if you don't know what to say, don't say nothing. How many know that? I think one of the most honest people in the Bible was in Mark, in Mark chapter 9. I want you to see this with me, Mark chapter 9. And this, um, Mark chapter 9, actually starting in verse 14, look at this. And when Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who was, has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to the disciples that they should cast it out, but they couldn't. And, I, and he answered and said to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then he brought them to him, and immediately when he saw him, the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he, and he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often it's thrown him in both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In verse 24, listen to this. He said, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to believe. I'm having a hard time. How many people is that? Most people in church. Amen. They could see a miracle and still not believe God for a miracle for themselves. It's the most amazing thing. People people in church today in 2023 are so full of unbelief. They're so they're so they're so set in their ways. Sometimes it comes from false religion. Sometimes it calls it's by the way that they were raised. But that's the reason why when Jesus went to people, he would ask him, "Do you believe that I can do this?" What happens when impossible meets Jesus? Oh man! You know you can't with one side of your mouth say I trust God, and then go home and tell your husband or your wife. I don't, I don't think I can be free it's too hard to serve God I don't know I, I just I, I can't I can't do it how many times have people come up for the baptism of the Holy Spirit they don't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit right that day and then they go out and they just give up and the next time the pastor calls an altar call to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit they don't go up because they just they're discouraged because they didn't get it the first time you know there used to be a time that Christians would tarry for the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by Terry? They would take months. Yeah, they'd, they'd pray for you. They'd sit in a service for hours crying out to God for the Holy Spirit. Eventually they get it. Smith Wigglesworth was one of those. It took him a while to get the Holy Ghost. We don't, we don't fight for things. We have to fight for things in Christianity. You got to fight for it, man. Fight for your family. Fight for the Holy Ghost. Fight for your miracle. Don't give up on your miracle. If the doctor tells you something, you know, negative about yourself, you know, oh, you're going to have to do this for the rest of your life. One doctor told me one time, I went for a physical. This is maybe about 10 years ago. I went for a physical, and I hate physicals, you know, because they're always looking for something. I, I, I don't go anymore because I'm not going to let them find nothing, amen? <laughs> I get done. He tells me, uh, they give me a prescription. They said, you have an enlarged prostate. And so because you have an enlarged prostate, you're going to take this prescription. So I went and got the prescription not knowing what was happening. And I was looking at the, looking at this thing, all the side effects of it. I was like, oh, my God. So I called the, the nurse, and I said, what's going on with this? This thing has a lot of side effects. How long do I got to take this? Oh, she said, for the rest of your life. And I said, I was in there talking to him for 10 minutes, and he diagnoses me and tells me, for the rest of my life, I got to take this pill, and he only talked to me for 10 minutes. She says, how dare you question the doctor? I said, well, how dare you give me some stupid stuff? I can't tell everything I said, but I didn't cuss. I know that. And I threw that prescription away. Somebody just said, well, man, you have an enlarged prostate. I'm healed. Do I believe he can do it? I do. I'm too mean to die. I can't go yet. The way we talk as believers and the way we think, it, it, it makes a difference. It'll, it, it, it makes a difference in your joy. How, it makes a difference in how you serve God, how you believe God. The words that you speak are super important. Amen. The way you the way you talk, and I've I've sabotaged so many things in my life by the way that I talk, I could I could talk all night long about it. You know, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. This this Bible study's never gonna grow or this is never gonna happen. Oh God, this, that, and the other. And until I get a grip and realize that God wants to do it, it's just I need to have some patience. You know, I know that there are some situations in this room right now. There are people that have got some impossible situations. And, you know, you've, you, you've trusted, you've believed, you're, you're, you're believing God for it. But, you know, why can't tonight be your night? Why can't tonight be your night? What happens when impossible meets God? It's nothing for God. It's nothing for God to heal cancer. It's nothing for God to heal your body. It's nothing for God to deliver you from drugs or from alcohol. It's nothing to him. If your car breaks down, if your car breaks down, do you take it to a donut shop to get it fixed? No. But if your body breaks down, amen, where, where do you need to go first? First and foremost, to God, who created you in the image of God. You were God's one that made you. He put all these parts in you. He knows what's happening. I've, I've seen, men some stupendous. I mean... I- incredible miracles, amen. I see miracles, man, that kind of blew my mind. I mean, just praying for the sick and then see that person get healed, I'm like, wow, wow, wow. You know, there was a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth who when he would pray for the sick, for him it was no big deal, no big deal. As a matter of fact, he told a guy one time, he was staying at a... a at, uh, I guess you could, I don't want to call it an Airbnb of the day, back in the 40s, amen, and uh, he was stand there, and, and they feed you in those places, and he's in there, and the guy that runs the place has got no legs below his knees. He's got prosthetics, uh, whatever they had back in the day, and, and, and Wigglesworth was very gruff the way he talked, amen. He wasn't mean, but he was full of faith, full of God, and he just told that guy, he said, tomorrow I want you to go to the shoe store and get yourself a pair of shoes. And then he went, got up from eating dinner, said goodnight, and went up to bed. And that guy sat there angry. He was mad. He was like, what this, what's wrong with this preacher? He ain't knows I ain't got no legs. What does he mean go buy some shoes? He went upstairs, went to bed, couldn't sleep for hours, almost the whole night. He was angry. And finally he got a grip, man, and prayed. And he said, you know what, God, I'm just going to do what the preacher said. That morning he got up, he went to the shoe store, man, limping, went to the shoe store, sat down, and he told the guy at the shoe store, he says, he says, I want a pair of this kind of shoe, size eight. And the guy looked at him and he said, we don't have that, you know, prosthetic type of shoes like that. He said, I just want some regular shoes, black, size eight. He went in the back, got the shoes. The guy took off his prosthetics while the guy was back there. He sat down, took a shoe, stuck it over the stump right here, and watched that leg grow into that shoe. And then he did it on the other one and watched that leg grow into that shoe. What would have happened? What would have happened if he would have said, "I said I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't. I, I'm never going to be able to walk normal. I'm never going to have legs." He would have never got his miracle. By the words we speak, we sabotage so many different things in our lives. Amen. And this is something that I had to learn because I was always sabotaging everything. So, what happens when impossible meets God? The impossible becomes possible. When I come to church and you got and we're praising, this praise a minute ago was awesome, man. I mean, I felt God's presence. This, that's God's miracle presence we just felt earlier. You know, he's here right now. His presence is here right now to heal. His presence is here right now to deliver. His presence is in this room right now to, to, to free you, man, of all those crazy thoughts you have all the time. I want to want to close with this, this last testimony. When I became a Christian, um, I had one of, the, one of the problems I had besides everything that was going on in my life was I had an uncontrolled thought life. A very uncontrolled thought life. And so I couldn't control my thoughts. My mind would just go everywhere all the time about everything. And so I become a Christian. I give my life to Jesus Christ. I get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I've got this battle going on in my mind all the time. I, can't, I, I never really used to have. I didn't think it, you had to control your thoughts. Because you know your mind is the only place that people can't look into. You could look me in the face and smile at me and be in your mind thinking I hate your guts. Right, it's the only place we think that 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 you know nobody knows what's happening, but you know, God knows what you're thinking. And I tell people, if God put your thoughts up on that screen right now, there'd be some people running up out of here, amen. I had an uncontrolled thought life, and because I had an uncontrolled thought life, I had an un- I had uncontrolled speech, and so I would say, I would just say things, you know, and then I would suffer the consequences of it all the time. Ask my wife. I was at the altar for the first five years of my Christian experience trying to get a hold of my thought life. And it wasn't until, it was actually Betty Baxter who came into our church, and she, she had a testimony about a miracle that had happened to her. And it was in that service I made the decision. You know, you have, a, you have the right to make a decision as a believer. I made the decision at the altar, didn't talk to anybody else, no pastors, anybody. I said, God, I'm giving you my thought life. I want to get control of the way that I think. I want to be able to think right. I want to think like you want me to think. I want to think like this Bible says, right? And I went to that altar and from that day forward, God began to give me a, a strategy, how to control my mind, how to control the way that I think, and then the words that I speak. And I'm telling you, this is what I tell people in our church. Our church in Denver is made up of all kinds of different really messed up people in this neighborhood that I'm in. And, 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 and people just they think and say the most crazy, if I told you some of the things that people have said to me in this church in the service. It would blow your mind. But this is what I tell people. You got a problem? You're looking for an answer for the thing you're dealing with? Find out what God says about what you're dealing with. What what does God's word say about what you're dealing with? This is the answer to what you're going through right now. If you're in here and you're struggling with some type of an addiction and you're dealing with, say, alcoholism, you know, and you're you're not drinking, but you're always constantly having thoughts of going out and drinking, that's the devil. Find out what God's word says about that situation and start saying what God says. When you say what God says, boom, let me tell you, devil's got to go. Resist the devil and he'll flee. John chapter 8 says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Don't tell me you can't quit drinking. Yes, you can. Don't tell me you can't quit using drugs. Yes, you can. Come on. Yes, you can. The only reason you don't stop is because you don't want to stop. Because you like it, that's what I tell people The reason people don't get delivered from drugs and alcohol is because they like it, amen And they like smoking cigarettes, every church should have a bunch of cigarette butts outside But you should be on the way of getting free Unfortunately in Colorado we got a bunch of potheads, amen And we got all these buildings everywhere, everywhere where I go with my wife I smell weed, everywhere The whole city's high, we- weed ain't legal here, right Well, it is in Colorado, man, and it's everywhere. There's warehouses everywhere. People are lit up all over the place. And you know something? They come to the church, they give their lives to Christ, and they can't stop. I had a guy, man, for two straight years, I kept trying to use this kid. I tried to make him an usher, and he'd go out and get high and come back and tell me. I I, I make him sit down for a while, a couple months, pray for him, believe God for him. But you know what the problem was? He liked it. He liked the high more than he liked. Listen, there is no high like the most high. But he didn't want this high. He wanted this high. If you want to be free, you got to want to be free. Let me close this. In November of 1985, coming to church, I heard Pastor Jones preach some of the most powerful messages. Powerful messages. Amen. And you know something? I kept sneaking off and drinking not even telling my wife, for a couple months after I got saved, I'd sneak off somewhere and go get a bottle and hide like a like a thief and drink and then go back to church and ask God to forgive me, just going back and forth and back and forth. And I kept saying, I, I can't get free. I can't get free. I don't know. What am I going to do? I, I'm an alcoholic, right? You know something? One day I made up my mind. I got drunk. I got high. We missed church on a Sunday night, and she stayed home. And I remember driving, and I kept thinking how miserable I was. And, 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 and I said, there was Sunday night service was going on. I'm driving down Nevada going toward where the church was off on the left. And as I come up to a stoplight, I look to the left, and there's the church. I was like, I don't think it was an accident. I was in a drunken stupor. And I looked over, and, and I heard the Holy Ghost tell me, if you don't turn left, I'm going to kill you. I heard God say that. And I turned left and I went to the building And I sat in the back I don't remember what the preacher preached But I sat in the back and and I went to the altar And I repented for the 50,000th time And the guy asked me I was drunk and he asked me What do you want from God I said I don't want the desire anymore I know God set me free when I got saved But I I have a desire for it I have a taste for it And I don't want that anymore You know what when you make up your mind You don't want to do something That's pretty powerful It's pretty powerful I lifted my hands, and, those, and those, those guys laid their hands on me. When I, when I had lifted my hands, I was so drunk, I was seeing double. How many of you guys remember driving? You can, you're seeing double. If you close one eye, you can drive because you could see single. Anybody, any drunks in here remember that? <clears throat> Amen to that, right? And I, and, I, and I opened my eyes. After they prayed for me, I was completely sober, completely sober. And it scared me. But I realized when I decided I could have done it at any time after I got saved, When I made up my mind that I wanted to be free, I got free. When I did not make up my mind and I didn't use God's word, then I was never going to be free. And there are people that are in churches that have been drinking alcohol for 20 and 30 years. There are people that are in churches that are bound by prescription drugs and bound by cigarettes and bound by pornography. They keep coming to church, amen. Out of one side of their mouth, they're saying they love Jesus, but out of the other side, they're still bound by this problem. And they blame their parents. They blame God. They blame the pastor. They blame they blame everybody. But the problem is you. You like it. And if you want to be free from something, you can be free right now, tonight, in this room. If you make up your mind you want to be free, you can be free. Let me tell you, I've seen thousands of addicts get delivered, thousands.'ve seen them, I've seen them come through bound by every, you pick, a, you pick an addiction, and I've seen them get delivered. And I can tell you, if you want to be free, you can be free. Amen. And after you get free, get, get a check on your lips. Amen, start, start talking, start talking like you're free. Tell people you're free. Amen. I love telling people about what God did for me. You want to know why? It just continuously solidifies my, my relationship with God. Uh, if you share your testimony with people, it like puts an exclamation point on what God's done for you. But if you walk around feeling sorry for yourself, amen, blaming everybody for your problems, you're going to be a miserable person your entire life. I don't want to be miserable. I, amen. I want to be free. I want to walk in freedom. I want to talk freedom. I want to believe God. When in, when in, what happens when impossible meets God? The impossible becomes possible. What is it you're believing God for tonight? Can I ask you? What do you believe in God for? You want healing in your marriage? It can happen, and it starts with you, not the other one, you. You want deliverance from drugs and alcohol? you got to make up your mind you want to be free. Quit playing games with God. I tell people, if you want to be free from cigarettes, and I know people will say, cigarettes won't send you to hell, but it makes you smell like you've been there. Let me tell you something. If you want to be free from cigarettes, go throw away all your ashtrays before you get prayer. Go throw away all your cigarettes. Get rid of your Marlboro T-shirts. Go get rid of all that stuff, and then come to God and say, I'm ready to be clean. I'm ready to be free. Is it going to be hard? For some people, it's hard. But you can do it. You want to be free from drugs and alcohol? Make up your mind that you want to be free. I have an entire church, amen, my entire church we're, were former. Pick the addiction, baby. They were it on top of that. I mean, it's amazing to me how many people could come in so messed up, some of them so young, coming in there, man, bound by by fentanyl and methamphetamine and Coke, and you'd pick the addiction, the habit. They come to church high, amen, just like many churches. But I can tell you this. When they make up their minds, they want to be free, and they start talking like they're going to be free. They get free. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Come on. Hallelujah. You know, tonight, <clears throat> there are some people here. You're sick in your body, and you've been prayed for many times. Some There's a few of you been prayed for many times. Tonight is your night. Yeah. It's not that God doesn't love you. But you have an enemy who don't want you to be free. You have an enemy who doesn't want you to be delivered. But I'm here to tell you that God wants you to be delivered. Amen. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And I'm going to ask you the same question that Jesus asked. Do you believe that God can do that? Do you believe God can set you free? Amen. And, I, you know, I want to also talk to those people, man, that do not have control of their mouth. You don't have control. Your confession is just messed up, amen. The way you talk, you may be a nice person at church. You may be kind to people here at church, but as soon as you get home, you just you go off and you you, you like it's like you can't control your your th- your thoughts. You can't control your words, and if you can get control of your mouth, let me tell you, you get control of every other area of your life. It's a terrible thing, man, to live like that. It's depressing. I don't want to be depressed. How many have ever been depressed? Every single person in here. But I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some victory in a few minutes. Some people are going to get free. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you that there is no sickness, Lord, that you can't heal. There's no bondage that you can't break. There, God, there's no mental illness that you can't turn around. God, I thank you that you're the God of impossibilities, with with God, all things are possible. And, Lord, we believe tonight that you can do it. Lord, I take authority in the name of Jesus over the demon spirit of addiction. I bind addiction of whatever form. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Devil, you ain't got no place in here tonight in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the spirit of suicide, you lying devil. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I rebuke depression, clinical depression. I take authority over that lie, that strategy of hell, self-pity. You're a liar, devil. You can't have our, you can't have our minds. You can't have our lives. You're a liar. You don't belong here. I command every devil in hell to shut its mouth right now. Father, I thank you that we have dominion over our thoughts, that we have dominion over our minds. And in this service, we're going to think on those things that are good, those things that are pure, and those things that are of a good report. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you for the, for the presence of God. I thank you, Lord, that, for the healing power of God that's in this room right now. All over this place, I don't know everybody here, but if you're in this place and you don't know the Lord, you're not saved. You've never made a decision for Jesus. Or you're backslid and away from God. And really, f- the first step to, 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 the, to what you're looking for happens at the foot of the cross. Without Jesus, you can't be free. Without Jesus, you can't get the victory. This is the first step. So if you're here this evening and you haven't made that decision, you don't know the Lord and you want to be saved, would you just hold your hand up, wave it at me, and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. Hold it up, put it right back down. I need Jesus. I'm not right with God. I want to be saved. I want to know the Lord. Hold it up. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. Who else? Who else? Come on. I can't see too good out there without my glasses, so you got to hold them up real high. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I see those two hands, that hand. God bless you. Amen. Don't, don't walk out of here the same way you came in. You came to church. You might as well make that choice. Who else? Who else? Come on. Don't Let's, let's not leave a single person out of this prayer. Who else? Need the, you need God. You need, you need to be saved. You need to come back to Christ. Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I want everybody to raise your hand first before we do anything else. All those who raise your hands, take a bold step of faith. Don't worry about who's with you. And come out of your seat and meet me down here right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You raise your hand. Come on. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How you doing, my brother? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to pray with these folks here. Come here, baby. Can you stand right here? Amen. As uh, Get some folks to come up here, yeah. But also, you know what I want to do now? I want to change the order of the service. I want to talk to you Christians. I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm not saying that at all. But you have an uncontrolled thought life or you have an uncontrolled mouth and you know it and everybody you love knows it because you just you just you just say it's almost like it's almost like you're two people you're you're kind you 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 talk about the things that God you read your Bible you pray then out of the other side of your mouth man you're you're just mean and 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 you got these crazy thoughts going through your head I want those people to come right now because God's gonna help you he's gonna touch you amen so I want you to come Come on now. <clears throat> I know there's a lot because you want to tell you something. There's a lot more people in church that can't control their thoughts and cannot control their mouth than, than most people will <laughs> will, agree, will agree to. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> you see that? Whew. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm with you. I'm with you guys. Amen and uh i'm i'm constantly let me just share, tell you this i'm constantly when i pray i'm constantly asking god to forgive me asking god i said lord if i've offended anybody you know if you really want it, we're going to pray here in a minute <clears throat> if you really want to know how to control that <clears throat> ask the holy spirit to make you sensitive amen because i know sometimes when i say there's been times i was maybe sick or discouraged, or something was going on in my life, and and I wasn't I, I, I wasn't myself. I felt like, and and I say things to people, man, and immediately, boom, the Holy Spirit says, "I don't like that." Right, this is right where I feel the Holy Spirit check me. I feel it, man, and I go, "Oh God, I'm sorry," but you know, it has to be something more than just sorry. You got to go to that person. And I can't tell you, a guy gave me a word one time, and he says, this was a long time, this was years ago, he told me. He says, you're going to learn how to say you're sorry. This is going to be one of the things that God's going to teach you. Because I was, I was very harsh with my words, very, very, very harsh. I was really good at hurting people verbally, physically too, but mostly verbally. I know how to hurt people. And, and after I became a Christian, I couldn't, couldn't really control my mouth. You know what I'm saying? And so even after all these years, when the Holy Spirit, and sometimes he's so sensitive, if, you, if he's very sensitive in your life, sometimes it's just little things. You feel that check. Ooh, you feel that check. Wait a minute. I, I can't do that. Wait, I shouldn't have said that. God, I'm sorry. I trust you. I believe you. I want that. Do you guys want that sensitivity? I do. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. He's my friend. He's my, he's my comforter. He's my God. I don't want to offend him. I want to, I want, I want to please God. So let me just, you know, when I can, when I'm getting ready to preach, anytime I come to preach for somebody, ah, all kinds of mind battles, man, this is because the devil doesn't want you to preach. He doesn't want you to share the truth. So I'm, I'm, I'm having all, you know, I'm over here, even here tonight, man. I'm just like, the devil says things. Oh, you're a loser. You're not going to do this. Even us preachers. Oh, this is not going to happen. That's not right. Right. Oh, you, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You didn't pray enough. You didn't read the Bible enough. You didn't do this. And you know what I say? I say what my pastors taught me all the time. Pastor Jones told me, he said, bind luring spirits, right? And to, and then tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're on, because it's you. We're not, we're nobodies. We're nobodies. I'm a nobody, but you know something? I'm here to tell you about somebody. I'm telling you about somebody. So I want you to focus on him. Amen. <laughs> we're gonna since since you guys are here. And there was people that came to make a decision for Jesus. Would you help me pray with them? Would you do that? Let's pray this prayer together. Say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your precious blood for me. Please forgive me of all my sins. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord. And my Savior, from this moment forward, I belong to you. You belong to me. And I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Jesus' name.
0: Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, Go to our website at vwotexas.com.